Blog Talk Radio. And our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime. And you can reach us through our website at yieldtothekingministry.org. Well, welcome to today's episode entitled, One Nation Under God, Our Allegiance to Christ. So I'm going to start out with the promotional material, which says, Here in the United States of America, we have the United States Constitution that starts out with, we the people, and goes on to establish national government and fundamental laws and guarantees certain basic rights for citizens. The Constitution was signed on September 17, 1787. Also in America, we have a national flag, a symbol to which Americans publicly pledge our allegiance to the United States of America. This flag represents privilege and freedom to all citizens. To whom and what do we pledge our allegiance? Is nationality belonging to a certain country above the case and cause of Jesus Christ? We are ambassadors for Christ, promoting his gospel of salvation for all who believe. The Apostle Paul said it well. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making an appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Well, today we are facing unprecedented global unrest, at least during my time. Uh, that's my opinion, I should say. Citizens are fighting within their own nations for what is important to them, what matters to them, what they believe in. The current state of their nation matters. America's history tells of civil, political, and religious unrest. Throughout the centuries, our history evokes embarrassment and delight. Over the years, we have progressed and digressed. Now that I'm a believer in Christ Jesus, I realize through it all, there is a purpose and a plan. You see, I trust in God. He is doing something for the greater good, and it's more than meets the eye. I want to talk a little bit about the Constitution and the national flag of the United States of America. What significant meaning do they have for the citizens of the U.S.? Don't worry, this is not going to be a lesson in American history or politics, and I'm really not qualified to do that. But I will answer the question, to whom and what is our allegiance? Who do we pledge our allegiance to? And what do we pledge our allegiance to? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the construct of the Constitution. Well, the Constitution has three main functions. First, it creates a national government consisting of a legislative, an executive, and a judicial branch with a system of checks and balances among the three branches. Second, it divides power between the federal government and the state. And since its inception, there have been 27 updates, what we call amendments, that range in time from the first one being amended in 17, the first amendment being issued in 1791 
all the way through the 27th Amendment, which was issued in 1992, and they appear just as they are, first, second, third, fourth, etc. amendments. Talk a little bit about the flag. The national flag of the United States of America has seven red stripes and six white stripes. There are 13 stripes. Uh, these 13 stripes, excuse me, represent the original 13 colonies. The flag has a blue canton, a, a rectangle at the top of the left corner. The flag has been used to display our nationalism as well as our rebellion as a nation and everything else in between. The flag is so important that its history tells the story of America itself. It represents the freedom, dignity, and true meaning of being an American. Now, the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag is something that all Americans do. We do it. We learned it in elementary school. We do it at our sports arenas before certain uh, uh, sports games, football, baseball, basketball. And in Section 4 of the Flag Code, this is what it states. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, this should be rendered by standing at attention, facing the flag with the right hand over the heart. And when you're not in uniform, men should remove any non-religious headdress with their right hand and hold it over the left shoulder, the hand being over the heart. Persons in uniform should remain silent, face the flag, and render the military salute. Now, please note over the years, the Pledge of Allegiance also has been revised. In fact, One Nation Under God was added in 1954 due to President Dwight Eisenhower, who encouraged Congress to add those words. And this was a response to the communist threat of the times. And this was shortly uh, after World War II. So here it is. It's not about pledging our allegiance to a symbol like a flag that represents freedom. Our freedom in Jesus Christ is real. Why? Because he is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. No longer are we separated from God, resulting in death. You know, death is the penalty of sin. The sting of death is non-existent for the believer. We have victory in a risen Savior, our Lord and Christ. Uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who through the power of God was raised from the dead, and we too shall be resurrected. When people have false hopes and unfulfilled promises and misguided loyalties, the demise of any nation is inevitable. Let's take a little look at some scripture to support what it is that I'm sharing with you today. I want to take a look at 2 Kings. Chapter 17, verse 19, and it says, Nevertheless, each national group made its own gods, and that's a small g, in the several towns where they settled and set them up in the shrines the people of Samaria had made at the high places. You see, mankind, humankind, elevates people and we create high places. It's not new when a nation deviates from God's standards. That behavior is an age-old practice throughout biblical history. So here's a warning, not just for America, but for all nations. This is in Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. I absolutely love this verse. And my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will hear, heal their land. This scripture is for believers. 
and we must pray without ceasing. Ceasing. I want to go back to the promotional material, and I quote, to whom and what do we pledge our allegiance? Is our nationality belonging to a certain country above the case and cause of Jesus Christ? We are his ambassadors, promoting the gospel of salvation for all who believe. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, it says, And I pray on my behalf, and pray on my behalf, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth, to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20 says, Which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to. And then again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God does make an appeal through us, his children. We know who God is. We have history with God, and we are his children. We become ambassadors for Christ, Jesus, and represent him. We should talk about Christ and further the case and cause of Christ. Well, you might ask, well, what qualifies you and I as an ambassador? The answer is simple. Number one, accepting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord overall. Number two, being sealed with the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. And three, believing in and living by the inspired word of God, which is the final authority of our life. In other words, the Bible governs our lives, not a document like a constitution that has been amended many times over. Now is the time to pray and assess where should we place our allegiance. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17 says, Rejoice always. So no matter what's going on, I started out talking about there's a lot of political unrest, and it's not just national, it's global. But we can rejoice always because there is hope. There's hope in God's word and Jesus Christ and what he has promised to us. And then verse 17 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, pray without ceasing. As believers, we can pledge our allegiance to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There are adopted and universally recognized creeds throughout Christendom. We have the Nicene Creed, Apostles' Creed, and Athanasian Creed. These creeds are a statement that Christians can make, a statement of faith that affirms our belief in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. These creeds are authoritative by the Roman Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodox Church, Anglican Church, and major Protestant churches. So consider these words. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things invisible visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of the same essence as the the Father. Through him, all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. And was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. 
He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church. We affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life in the world to come. Amen. Out of all fairness, now I know I must acknowledge in, you know, Romans chapter 13, and I know according to Romans chapter 3, 13, excuse me, we are to submit to the government and do what is right according to the laws of the land. So I'm not recommending that we break any laws or denounce our leaders or become a defector from our country, but let your conscience be your guide and rely on the teaching and prompting of the Holy Spirit and, and think about to where should we place our allegiance first and foremost. As we hear about and experience what is going on in our world today, which encompasses local, national, and global concerns, again, here's what all believers must do. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my faith and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. So in closing, ah, the case and cause of Christ is nonpartisan, meaning it's not tied to politics, a national symbol, or a legally ratified constitution. So I ask you, where do you stand? How will you and I further the case and cause of Jesus Christ, and to whom do we owe our allegiance? I want you to ponder those questions and answer them for yourself. I know our situations are different. Our political situations are different. Our national standards may be different. What's going on in our individual countries are different, but we are all faced with the same calling, and that is to whom and to what are we placing our allegiance. So I've shared a little bit about what we do here in America and why. We talked about the flag and the Constitution, but I want you to be able to answer that question for yourself. And with that, I just want to say may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. God bless you.